You can kick your fancy ales, you can take them by the flagon, but the only food for the brave and true comes from the green dragon. Sauron has struck Rohan, scattering its armies and crushing its people. Theoden has led all those that he can gather, mostly old men and boys, to the great fortress of Helm's Deep, a mighty bastion which has saved Rohan from the invaders in the past. Even reinforced by a contingent of elves, led by Haldir of Lothlorien, the defenders are few and have scant time to organise. Before long, a huge army of Urukai is all about the stronghold, readying themselves to take the keep by storm. Though the walls of this mighty vastness have never been breached, Saruman's cunning has crafted a new weapon that could spell the end for this proud structure, a primitive explosive charge. Should this devilry rob the Rohirrim of their stout walls, then Rohan will surely fall. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Green Dragon Podcast. That was the flavour text from Helm's Deep, The Defences Must Hold, a scenario from the book Siege of Gondor. We're going back a long time was printed a very long time ago. That's a bit of an, uh, an understatement. Was it 2003? Around there sometime. You can check the front of the book. That'll take too long. I think it was a Wednesday, wasn't it? <laughs> it's the first page. It was raining. Mm. Okay, second I lie. Copyright what time? Dramatic pause. 2004, it looks like. 2004, so it's over 10 years old, this scenario. I believe it was a book written by Matt Ward, too. Yes, because we have wonderful characters such as Gothmog and Boromir, Captain of the White Tower. Now, as actually, for once, I'm not going to poke fun at Mike Ward. They're actually good stuff. I thought Charles was saying who we are. Oh, who we are? Who are we? Yeah. Oh. And with, <laughs> who me, am I? with me today. I'm paying attention. I have totally. Jeremy, who read the flavor text. Thank you. Travis. Hey, hey, hey. Doing all my talking. And David. Greetings, comrades. Would you like to discuss who are the main characters and players in this scenario, Travis? Maybe starting with the good side. Well, I'll have to go with this at the top of my head. Some books on the other side, but I'll have a go at it nonetheless. We have, I believe it's Aragorn, Legolas, and Gimli, the three hunters. Thaden, Gamling, four Rohan Royal Guard. No, two. Two Rohan Royal Guard. Two are all that's needed. Yeah. And because you get three in a blister pack as well, it's <laughs> it's really handy that way. We also have four Warriors of Rohan with three Spirit Shield, four Warriors of Rohan with bows, and then we also have four Woodoff Warriors with Elf Bows, which are effectively the new Galadrim Warriors with Armor and Elf Bow, and four... Wood Elf Warriors with Elven Blades. Again, they're the Galadrim Warriors with the uh, armor and blades. So at the time, was there no Wood Elves without armor? I think they were the same. It was thing. the one profile, yeah, and you basically the bought them armor or didn't. So you could buy them no armor, light armor, or the heavy armor to make them Wood Elves. So they're yeah. the sort of Mirkwood or they, they were the models that were released specifically. Did I get that right? No, specifically. No. Specifically. Specifically. I'm not going to even try it again. They were released specifically in particular for this scenario. With this scenario in mind. Or with this scenario in mind. And it's absolutely gorgeous. The two-handed weapon elves from... Yeah, the ones where we've got yeah, three poses with two-handed weapon, three poses with bow, which all look identical. Yes, yes, yes. The sword good, held straight, the sword held almost straight, and the sword held sort of straight. And the bow um, ready to fire, and the bow ready to fire with a slight breeze behind it, and the bow ready to fire with an even slighter breeze. And then when they all bend, they all look the same anyway, because they're metal and they bend. Absolutely. Wonderful models. Ex- excellent. You're not a fan like of the models, these days. I'm a fan of the models. I'm, the poses, I thought, were a bit uninspiring. I think the new poses are much better. I think the old models are, were quite good. Anyway. I um, like the old models, because I usually run... Half four bands of them. Um, the banner. That back to the really participants, nice Travis. We oh, covered yes. all of the good side. That's all the good side. We would, also... would you like to do the evil as well, or perhaps I, I we can pass it on to, to David? Maybe. Side. 
I'll, I'll do the if so. I'll pass David the starting positions and all that other stuff. Okay. On the evil side, we have four Urukai captains, one Urukai shaman, and one Dunlending chieftain. One thirty Urukai with shields. Wow, that's a lot of Urukai with shields. Ten Urukai with crossbows. Fifteen Urukai berserkers. Five Dunlendings with hand weapons. Five Dunlendings with two hand weapons. Two Urukai siege assault machines with three crew each, and two demo teams. Lots Sounds like there's a yeah, a very Uruk-hai. large number of yeah. models. Only also, two demo teams. Yes. Um, oh. oh no, three demo teams. I thought okay. so. I thought so. yeah, because yeah. I remember blowing up three. Yes, yeah, sorry. <laughs> three demo teams, and I should also make mention the evil side is allowed to take up to four banners, and may take also eight siege lighters and one battering ram, uh, and the good side can take up to three banners if yep. they so choose. So you you Urukai with shield, there ends up being less because some of them hold the banners and some of them end yeah. up holding the battering ram and, and, and doing other and things. Under the rules that this was printed under, they couldn't have a shield and a banner at the same time, if I remember correctly. Under these rules, Correct. yes. Yes. Yep. yes. Yeah. It's a bit irrelevant now. There's also another option for participants. Right at the end of the scenario, they give you a points match. Have you played it as a points match before, Jeremy? There's a points match? Uh, yeah. What's this points match you speak of? They were... Um, they, yeah, they let you give you a set points value for the scenario each side, and then you could basically vary the participants if you mm. so chose. I've never heard of it before. <laughs> it's one of those ones where I think the only real way you would ever take this scenario and then play it again with the points match is if, say, you're going to do the first time Helm's Deep was attached, so you have some someone standing in for Hammerhand and Helm. Yeah. Helm Hammerhand. Helm Hammerhand and a whole bunch of his Rohirrim and then you had a whole bunch of Dunlendings going up against them. I think that would be the only time I really see them doing it as a, as a, a points match because, I don't know, Gondor defending Helm's Deep with Orcs attacking or Goblins attacking, it It just doesn't quite seem that Well, you right. might not have access to all the models as well. You might say the Wildmen of Dunland might be missing for your collection and want to add more Uruks. You might want to add some of the new yeah. troops, the Uruk Berserkers or some Uruk Scouts in there. You might have some different Rohan options there. Maybe uh, some of the... What are the Strength 4 ones? Sons of El. But some, I think all the... No, no, no. The, the um, foot guys. Foot ones. Outwalkers. Um, no, no. Outriders. No, no they're, no, they're named the, after Grimbold. Grimbold's, oh, Helmingers. 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 That's yeah. the ones. Though, looking through this, the rules the for the points match last stand, they have been sort of vague on how to go about it. The good side must be at least 250 points. The evil side should be at least twice as large again. So... It's obviously a scenario piece that they've left open to interpretation by the players. Yeah. So if you are doing it as a points match, it is still more of a friendly, let's see how this would game out, rather than a, I am here to destroy your fortress. Feel free to modify it if you want. Add some more guys, take some away if you want. Play on a bigger board, play on a smaller board, go Back for it. Back in the day when things went hard and fast and you could just throw whatever you had well, on the board within <laughs> certain points limits. We were hard and fast in those days, don't worry about that. But we were more hard and fast back in those days than we are these days. Oh my god. Back in my day, we <laughs> didn't have all these source books. This is why you have me at the table, boys. Anyway, with the participants, there is an incredibly large number of them. Jeremy, you've played this scenario at least three times. Yes, that is I correct. I would say more than that. It wouldn't be much more. <laughs> How long do you think it would take to play through this scenario? Like in, in a day, an afternoon? You would want at least three hours. I think four hours would be comfortable. If you want to stretch it out and have some food and, and things, maybe five hours. If you didn't have four hours, I wouldn't start playing this one. I think you'd run out of time. Hmm. The two times I know I've played it with you, Jeremy, was one was at open day, which we sat around for you know a good four hours to play it out. And the other one was at the club meeting before open day. 
and that was a you know a whole club session which was six hours. So was that one at open day? This specific scenario, though, or was it the one that's it been was a couple of open days ago? I think five it was years later, or whatever. No, was I've only year? played this scenario on the board because my Helm's Deep board is designed specifically, specifically for this board. Yes. Oh, okay. The objectives of this scenario: what are they? What 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 does the good side and evil side both have to achieve to come out victorious? Okay, there are five strategic locations scattered around the inside of Helm's Deep. The aim of the battle is to control more strategic locations than the opponent. So that's the deepening wall, the deepening wall gate, where the deepening wall joins the main fortress. Is it deeping or deepening? One moment. It's the deepening wall with an ing. So I thought it was deeping, but okay. Never mind. You okay, might be go, right. Okay, go on. Go on. Matter of pronunciation. Irrelevant. I'll stick with Travis. Anyway. <laughs> so we, we have, know how well that turns We have the entrance deepening. to the Hornberg. We have the main courtyard inside the Hornberg. Oh, no. I'm getting lost. Sorry. I need a map. Ah, a map. And there's the main <laughs> gate un- under which the hordes of Yurikai will pour. <laughs> so, five strategic locations. You need more models within three inches of them than the opponent. Draws go to the good player. Yep. Yep. So, generally, I think what we've found with the sort of which ones you go for is you generally find the gatehouse eventually gets taken by the Yurix. The, uh, the Deeping Wall one. Deepening yeah, wall. Well. So you end up having, as the evil player, I guess, two options. You either go for the one in the courtyard, not the one, the, well, the one on the way to the courtyard, because let's face it, the Hornberg one's a bit of a stretch to try and grab, or you go for the gatehouse and to the, the deeping wall from the causeway. I think you're fine, though, with that many Urukai on the field, you can hit multiple points of the fortress at the same time. This is true. I think, though, that. You really want your captains to be spearheading the assault. And I think that's the main thing here is those captains are the ones you need to be committing to one of those locations. And I don't, I think you need all of them because you look at who the good side has at their disposal to defend those objectives. You've got Aragorn, Legolas, and Gimli, three of the most influential characters in the game. You then, on top of that, have a Haldir, a Gamling, and a Thaden just to really make it difficult. You're going to need those five captains on the evil side to really, really yeah, go that, at them. That's a lot of might. It's a huge amount of might. And you're getting three might points a turn with Aragorn. I mean, imagine if they had the banner on gambling there. But Aragorn can only be in one place at one time. So I find that I actually like splitting the captains a bit and pressuring multiple uh, places. I would like to uh, rebut your statement. Heroic combats with Aragorn. The Helm's Deep is a big place. So if you're trying to defend that's, the that's courtyard and the gatehouse and the deeping wall at the same time, you're... A, Three or four turns away from moving, it takes a lot of planning ahead. And there's a lot of narrow places, so a lot of the time you try and slingshot, but the way is blocked with troops. Yeah, yeah. So redeploying can take a while, especially just getting your own guys out of the way. Later in the game, that's less of a problem when you've got less guys. Plus, you've got things like the bomb team scaring them off. And yeah, things, I, so I sort of, I just sort of remember back to when I was playing this scenario, and I had Aragorn along the, the 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 inner wall, not the inner wall, the outer wall, the main outer wall, and he was just ducking up and down the outer wall, going killing Urukai because there's no one left on that part of the wall. Yeah, but that's the that's one. the outer wall. So that you've taken that area, but then there's the deeping wall. There's also the gatehouse. There's also the courtyard mm. entrance. So he can't be everywhere there, but he can hold up one objective really well. And make it almost impossible to take. Yeah, he seems to do that really well. Along with the objectives, there are a couple special rules for the scenario. And they actually look like they tend to drag the game out. Jeremy, do you want to go through them? Certainly I do. My favourite one is Unrelenting Assault. So this is the one, it's a real nice way of making sure that 
your game goes on for a long time to make sure it feels like there's thousands of Urukai attacking. Basically, 10,000. Yeah, 10,000. Tens of thousands. Mm. For every time a warrior, evil warrior slain, you get another one from the northern or western board edge. So basically the board edges that aren't inside the castle, unfortunately. <laughs> and the next movement phase. It's automatic. It happens straight away. You can't have siege engine crew doing this. You can't have heroes. But you find that your warriors, you can just throw them at the enemy really quickly. But it is the disadvantage to lose them because they're out of position. It takes them a few turns to catch up. So towards the later stage of the game, you end up running out of models that can get to the objectives. You don't run out of models, but they're just a couple turns away and you wish you had a few more turns to take Helm's Deep. And the other one has got a very uh, nice elven name. Would you like me to read it, Jeremy? Yes, I would. <laughs> this is, this I, I believe it's a uh, sentence that Legolas says, and forgive me if my pronunciation is not perfect, but it's... A eruhin udano ifelas ahun an uben tanatha lefalas. You are forgiven. <laughs> yeah, it was bad. So basically, this is very simple. Good models don't have to take tests for their force being reduced to half strength. It's going to be reduced to half strength. They know that they're going to be. They're going to die. They're selling their yeah. life. They're trying to delay the urukai to keep them out of the hornberg and the caverns underneath. They're not going to run away. And where do you run from in a fortress? You jump off the wall and scream. It's the last fastness. There's yeah, nowhere, nowhere to run else to. to go. You go hide in the caves with the women and children. But you've already locked the doors. He's got you yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, that's a bit bad. <laughs> I believe the scenario has a turn limit as well. Is it 20 turns or 15? Um, 15. No, it was 15. 15 turns, so... Victory or death in it's, 15 turns. It's one turns. of those ones where you start off playing the game, you go, 15 turns, that's ages. And as the game goes on, you start to feel the pressure and you start to run out of turns really quickly. Especially when you hit sort of turn 11, turn 12, and you go... I need to book it for the objectives as the evil player. And the good side goes, I'm running out of resources to hold And you them. start actually working out saying, I've got four turns to get to this point. I have to win the combat this turn. I have to yeah. move this far this turn. I have to get past. How am I going to do this? And you start doing things like, if I jump off the wall and survive so many fall tests, I could get there. So and you reckon that alters the way you play the turn limit of the scenario? It really does. It yeah. forces you to start going... It, it means every evil player can't just go, I have two giant crossbows and ten smaller crossbows outside of the wall. I'm just going to hammer away at you until eventually I get weighted numbers and beat you that way. It basically means, no, yeah, you have these two great big siege engines, but you need to go. Turn one, you need to be going at them. You need to be putting pressure every single turn. Otherwise, you don't have a chance. There is something those siege engines can do, though, that really accelerates the way you guys get up on the walls. Using the uh, special crossbows. Launch your ladders at the wall, carry up a couple captains, raise ladders. a couple okay, berserkers. That's pretty much the main reason why they're in there. The only time you'd ever take a straight shot with those siege engines is if all your ladders are up. Yeah. Or Aragorn sticks his head up and goes, shoot me, shoot me. Well, I even then, the ladder is so much more important yeah. than taking a pot yeah. shot at Aragorn. You'd just shoot a captain at Aragorn. Yeah, I'm not sure if that would work very well. Shoot a berserker at Aragon. But Berserkers can, are a good one. You can place the ladders so that they're fighting defenders that don't expect it. So they've gone, they've pushed ladders down, they've set up, and then suddenly another ladder is in their face fighting them, and they might not be prepared for that. It might be a bowman or yeah. um, a weak point with no banner, and suddenly you can break through there. So it's really powerful. Most of the times I keep ladders back just so I can shoot them up because I prefer to, to shoot two up a turn if possible. Than to push them raise. all up because the good player's got more access to might than the evil player and, and it replenishes with Aragorn. 
so they can push down the ladders a lot e- more e- easier than I can put them back up. Mm. Yeah, it's a really interesting rule to raise the ladders. You can pull ladders from as far as six inches away from the wall into the wall, which yeah. seems kind of good. It's like a free extra move for yes. your ladder. Yeah, you can reposition them. It's not a huge amount of reposition, but it's it can it's catch enough. the people out of positions. Also, and, and you can use it if you've only got like half the number of guys required carrying the ladder to just yeah. pull the ladder forward as well. Which never really happens. You always have a lot of guys underneath the ladders waiting to push them up. Because the ladders are in the area where your reinforcements come yes, on. Yes, and so they're usually one turn away. There. Yeah, you're never running out of guys to throw up the ladders either. Okay. Berserkers are usually your best choice. Generally, I don't like throwing the captains up straight away, simply because... There's enough resources on yeah, the wall waiting the wall. for them. And enough resources on the wall to push them down. I don't know, if you maybe get lucky and be able to go up against one warrior of Rohan, maybe throw a captain up at him. But if you lose the combat, you got to take that dreaded... Push st- back off the ladder yeah. falling check. Yeah, the, the stability check and captain taking... A fall basically from the top of Helm's Deep to the bottom is not a good it's idea. It's like eight inches high or something. It's eight so inches it's high. You take about nine nine hits or so. It's something not fun. Like yeah, we sort of house rule to make it consistent because my Helm's Deep board, some of it's four or five inches off the ground, some of it's 10 or 12. So we just said that it's six or, or eight just to make it sort of even across the board. Some of the ladders you put up end up being really small, some really big. So that helps as a house yeah. rule. I actually like shooting the captains up with the crossbows because... You can then pick their targets, so they can usually go up against the single man of Rohan, and they've got the might so that they can use that to pass in the way to get the kill. And once they're up there, it's hard to get them back down. Because mm. the six-inch drag on the ladder doesn't just drag the ladder forwards, it can drag it six inches sideways. So that captain goes up wherever you want him to. Yeah, these but crossbows it, yeah. have amazing shooting properties. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I think the reason why I... It's more of a bad experience from my book for not shooting up. I remember playing the evil side... In the scenario and go, all right, I'm going to pick on that one warrior Rohan on the, with bow on the end. He can't shield. Fling the captain up, roll the snake eyes on the combat check. Warrior Rohan pushes him off. He takes his massive fall check and then dies when he hits the ground. I'm like, there just went my best ability to, to put some pressure on an Aragorn or a Legolas. But and it was also your best chance to hit, take the wall. That's right. And I, your Berserker would have fallen as well. And what you can't waste your captains by doing nothing as well. So you've got to commit them at some point. Because they represent a really large part of your resources for your army. Yeah, I. this is just a personal thing for me. I actually don't like throwing my captain straight up the wall. I prefer to leave that to Berserkers. I think two attacks with the Berserkers at fight four, if you're going up against a Warrior Rohan, is, is great. And if you manage to punch through with the Warrior Rohan, a Berserker can, can go toe-to-toe with a Thaden or a Legolas for a little while, not forever, but he can beat them back a couple of turns and create that opening for the others. I like to run my captains straight up the middle, straight at the gate, blow the gate with the bombs, then run four captains straight through the gate and go, come on, deal with four captains and eight points of might. Yeah, I find I actually like to clear the walls and force the Aragorn Legolas Gimli to go defend that courtyard and the, the little path up there. So throwing a captain and the berserkers up, because I'm not throwing just captains, I'm throwing berserkers up, because there should be eight ladders going up most turns whenever you can. So the captain gets up there, a couple of berserkers come with him, and once they're up there, you call the heroic move to be able to create more space to get more ladders up, and suddenly you've got a pile of force that's up there, and they can't move them. Because the good side doesn't have the strategic reserve to be able to plug gaps. If a breach is formed, they've got to either fall back or, well, die. Yep. Or usually they end up doing both. They die and fall back yes. and, and hope that mm. the fallback is more effective than the dying. Just like in the movie. Yes. As the scenario plays, how, do you find it represents the movie reasonably well or not at all? 
Well, last time I played this one, I abandoned the deepening wall with all my heroes, except for Haldir, who stood there and held it single-handedly until he got torn apart by berserkers. So, Did I think that was get a... hit in the head with a big spiky sword? Twice. Excellent. In terms of a game perspective, I can't think of really a better way of running it. I like the fact that you have a big fortress, an iconic piece of terrain... I know other ways that people have done, or they've GW has written the Deepening Wall and the Battle for the Hornburg, is they've done it in segments. They've got just the Deepening Wall bit, then they've got the attack on the main fortress and the right out. They've got all these bits segmented. This one's more like a Grand Siege. This is the whole fortress. I, I would love this even more if they just extended the Deepening Wall out a bit and had a few more elves, but that's just me, you know, being picky. But in terms of what we get, it's a really good representation of what the battle is and sort of a force going at it. It's really well, well written the scenario-wise and to be honest, I can't really think of much ways to make it bigger because adding more models bogs the game down makes it too much longer. and I think it's a, it's a really good balance. This is one that they've, I think Matt Ward and his crew have actually sat and play-tested and play-tested a few times. Yeah, I agree with that and I think you look at it and you've got what, 15 or so good models. You've got hardly any of them defending this massive fortress where you can't possibly do that. And you're up against 60 plus. around evil models, plus they're coming back. And they do it. They hold it up. And we found that every game we've played has been really well contested and, yeah. and could I have gone either way. I think the good side has come out like just ahead, but it's it's one of those, they've won just, just a few more times than the evil, but if evil had one more turn, they would have won. It's, it's always like, it's been one close. Of the, it's one of those... Oh, just can't quite reach. And down to the last couple of die rolls where you, you, you yeah. go there and you're like, if I win this combat, I've got this objective, and then you fail the combat. There's been some real tense moments. It really represents that well, and it's great to have a scenario that for the whole time you play, it's tense. Yeah. Like, like the whole Every, time... And, and that's the thing. You, you, you don't look... You don't realize it straight away, especially in your first play. Every model is precious. Even that flimsy seven-point warrior of Rohan with bow is one of the most valuable models You've only got so many You've of them, only got and so you many. need all of them when it comes to the end. Mm. So you find it does represent the movie reasonably well, guys? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yes. Especially oh, yeah. since they decided not to have the, the stupid write-out bit in it. They have that as a separate scenario later, which I also love. Oh, yeah, and yeah. Acts too. I love how they've separated those two, because I feel they're two different battles. There's the Battle of the Hornburg, then there's the Relief Effort. And I like that they've really made these two Same. big... Really iconic scenarios, and they've they've really made them their own thing, their own scenario. And I love that we have this massive grand siege because that's what I love to see when we do a siege. We've done heaps of sieges as our club. We've done Minas Tirith, yep. Isengard, and the one thing I love about it is when we do these ones, they feel big. They feel like it's a massive engagement. It feels like everything is at a knife edge. And the nice one about this one is, for a siege, there's a lot of movement. Oh, um, God, the good yes. side has to cover the walls and then the courtyard and it moves around a bit. The evil side has to keep pushing and they, they take the first wall and they have to keep pushing and take another wall. And it really mm. feels good that way. And the second wall, they don't have any ladders. So they're sort of fighting on bridges or they're trying to push through a gate and they've used up all their siege weapons. I actually find this particular one, the Battle of the Hornburg, better to play than even Minas Tirith and some of the other Grand Sieges we've done. Because Minas Tirith was, it's a good scenario, don't get me wrong, but... You've really only it, got, it, like, one wall to hold there. It, it feels a bit more forced 
this one feels a bit more open and you have more choices available to you where you place your heroes and you've got Aragorn, Legolas, Gimli, Théoden, Haldir, Gambling. You've got six heroes where you have a choice of critical placements. You look at some of the other Grand Sieges that you do, okay, it's where do you place Treebeard in Isengard? It's where do you place Gandalf on um, Minas Tirith? It's, yeah. it's one or two models where you need to know where you place. And you pretty much already know where you're going to place them straight off the get-go. This one... You get to make a choice, and you get to react to your opponent, which is another big thing about it. Literally half your points as heroes are most important. Something that I really, really liked about this scenario playing through it is that there is a reason to fall back to the second level. The way the objectives are spread out means you do get to use those other parts of the fortress. Unlike, say, Minas Tirith, where if you breach the wall, there's no point going behind the wall. It's all about we charge through, we climb up, we're on top. This yeah. one, the objectives are spread out. There's different choke points, there's different fallback points. You can actually do a fighting retreat, and it actually does count for something. You can factor that into your strategies as well. I know with Gimli, because that choke just near the gate is a little bit wider at the gate than it is as you fall back through the rampart. Mm -hmm. And I know when you sort of get a little bit overwhelmed, you call that heroic runaway, to coin a phrase from Jeremy, and Gimli and his posse of elves and the banner and stuff do that one move fallback. Just limit the amount of Urukai they can get in on you and then you do it again and then you link up with Aragorn and yeah. And the nice thing about the scenario is that with the five objectives, it always feels like you're competing. The evil side usually gets the deeping wall and the main gate because they've got the equipment to do that. Eventually the good side has to abandon the deeping wall. They could hold it, but that's a real yeah, tough effort. If you're holding the deepening wall, it's you've put so many resources into holding it that your other ones, even the courtyard, looks like it could be grabbed. But then you've got the Deeping Wall Gate, which is this sort of nice meeting point between the forces that have come up through the main gate and also the ones that have attacked from the Deeping Wall and anyone who invaded the the main sort of wall. Yeah. They all head to that one point. So you've got this massive battle there, which usually ends up as the most exciting one. But then you've got, on the far side, a little bridgeway leading to the courtyard. And that, I find, is really interesting because... The good side has to hold that because the courtyard is one of the objectives they need to get. They need to get three of the objectives. You can't just have two. So the courtyard, you've got that little bridge. And you usually end up with Theoden and Gambling perhaps holding it back. Or sometimes one of your three hunters will go all the way over there to help them out. And you get this really exciting split two battles at the end where you've got to hold both of them. And if you stuff up on one of them, the evil side will, will invade and take mm. the fortress. I think that's one mistake you can make, not treating that bridge with respect. That bridge, and I have seen it nearly done, barring a legless auto hit from halfway across the castle, picking off the one Urukai that was sitting on that objective. If you do not respect that objective, that courtyard objective, an Uruk can and will get to it if you are not careful. I think what I particularly like about that bridge is it's the one model wide. It's the last hero from that entire yeah. flank stands on the bridge, sword drawn, as the horde comes rushing towards him. It's and, it, just, and it's got this cinematic just, thing of, you got to fight me one-on-one. -on -one. Yes, it's mono just that mono. moment. It's, you know, it's the bridge of Kazakh Doom, but Rohan. <laughs> and it's not a Balrog wide. <laughs> That's important. Don't build bridges, Balrog wide. Lesson learnt, dwarves. Lesson learnt. <laughs> The last game David and I played on that, the bridge area was really good in that it looked like evil was going to take it really early. The good side just was getting wiped out. Gambling died early on. The Rohan, there was a couple left. They then jumped onto the bridge 
held it up, and there's still five turns to go, I think, and he was out of might. There was a couple captains with full might coming out after him. There was a banner there, and he held off all those captains. Meanwhile, Gimli ran all the way from the Deeping Wall gate through the courtyard, ready to take up Thaden's spot at the end. And at the end of the game, Gimli was standing behind Thaden going, what about me? I can hold a gate too. And Thaden was just laughing, saying, no one's getting through this courtyard. All that, and this is my castle. <laughs> all that effort is a natural-born sprinter. and He just he went all the way there. there and, and we almost... And then th- he got stuck in a queue. <laughs> yes. Yes. He's like, Leg- exactly Legless it. is killing things. I need to be killing things. Sounds like no, big roads. Thaden was just in the way. <laughs> Wait your turn, please. So, guys, we've actually had a lot of rules changes since this uh, specific scenario was printed. Does it really affect the scenario at all, Jeremy? One that I noticed is that when we first played it, we found that crossbows were actually quite powerful. If they got a few early kills, it was really tough for the good side to come back. And the nice thing is we actually house-ruled, I think, our second or third playthrough that would make it a Mm. 5-plus in the way for being a fortress. Funnily enough. And that's in the rules. So (laughs) um, that's one change, I think, and I think it's a good change. We came up with the five plus in the way. Thank well, you. I, think, I think a lot of people came up with that. Cough. <laughs> um, one of the other changes that springs from reading this is the way break tests have changed is in the old rules, evil side could not be broken because their models kept coming back. Under the new change, it's a running kill count. So the evil side would be broken as they went over the walls and then all your Yurikai would run off, which defeats the point of the you know no fear. So it's probably a good idea to house rule to extend the, the good side cannot break to the evil side cannot break. Yeah, otherwise, well, you're not going to get much It seems a, a bit strange that the evil side, you know, 10,000 strong Urukai all lining up, waiting to jump onto the board, go, nah. 30 guys gonna... fall off the wall and they go, yep, we're going, see ya. <laughs> Out of here, guys. Especially since they move onto the board, then realize it's dangerous and <laughs> turn and leg it. You could always just cast Fury with the Shaman. But you've only yeah, got one shaman. You've only got one shaman in one spot. And to be honest, that one three-dice transfix that you yeah, can transfix is more fun. Or is way more deadly. Fury doesn't work like that anymore, though, because if you cast it and use all your will, it yeah. doesn't matter. No, no, just don't saying. cast Fury. You don't just, cast yeah. Fury. You don't need it. you got Urukai that come back. Why do you care if you're Urukai? And the it? only thing you really need courage test for is the bomb teams charging and trying to light the bomb. But then um, you've got your you got Berserk Courage eight 7 Berserkers, I think it is. Yeah. No, you've got a Courage 8 Urukai Bomber. I believe they, they got FAQ'd, actually. Did, to 7. We'll have to check this. It's we high will. courage, nonetheless. It's high courage. Travis, was there an, any other differences that you could think of off yeah, the top of there's your head? One, there's one big one, and it's the threat the Urukai captains bring to the table. Even the Dunlending Chieftain as well. Heroic Strikes. You can kill Aragorn in this scenario, and you can kill him comfortably. It's not hard to get a trap on, on the walls. And hell, it's even pretty easy to get a trap to push Aragorn off the wall and kill him. There's so many ways now you can kill the heroes in this scenario that the these might points become way more valuable. Hell, even redeploys for the good side with marches. But might, 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 might has become so Instead much... Instead of hell, can you say helm? Did I say... Oh, you said hell a few times, so I think no. it'd be hell, helm would be yeah, better. Yeah, no, helm. This I, is helm's deep. I, I was trying to say helm... All about the theme. Yeah. So it's easier to kill heroes now on Helm's Deep. So I think you need to... It makes so many more options open to the evil side in terms of the ability to deal with the good heroes. Absolutely. And you end up protecting heroes a little bit more. I remember the first couple of playthroughs, Aragorn's fighting every combat he can. Now it's sort of... 
I don't really want to throw him into the captain. I'd rather throw some other guys and wear them down first and let Aragorn finish them off when there's no might left. Yeah. Because I don't want to use up all Aragorn's resources or take a couple wounds and then have a lucky crossbow shot. Yeah. There's yeah, also definitely. another one that I can think of. I'm not sure if I've seen too many people do to their Urukai, but you can actually convert them to have different weapons and use the special strikes that are in the current Hobbit rules. I think if someone converted weapons for a scenario, they would get an angry face from me. But the special strikes do make a difference because you've got you've got Dunlin men with axes and things. You've got Urukai with fainting. You've got good models of axes. So you've actually got a lot of special yeah. strikes it, already. It helps both sides. And I think the fact that it helps both sides doesn't really swing the result in either way. Yeah, that's true. That's true. You've got like, axes on you. Okay, yeah, can we piercing striking? It's like, well, his defense goes down, so he's killable. There's a lot of factors that come into play with the special strikes. I don't think there's a whole lot you can really do in this scenario with those special strikes. It's going to break the game wide open because whatever the evil side can do, the good side can do the same. A so, massive amount of your kills as a good player come from pushing guys off ladders. So special yeah. strikes don't affect that. I think shielding is the main special strike you use. Oh, that's an amazing because strike. Because you've got the guy at the top of the wall. I could hit you once with strength three. I could push you off and hit you eight times. I'll go for the eight hits. Yeah, good shielding. choice. Roll more dice. Yeah, shielding, 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 shielding is a big thing for the good side in this one. Those six models you have with shield, best models in your army. And those ten crossbowmen you've got from the Urukai, shoot the shield guys. It might be easy to kill the other guys. Get rid of those shield guys Legit. early. Legit. Yeah. Definitely. Even I've even seen you use a point of mind with the captain. With obviously, it just says four required captains. So we sort of mix the weapons up a bit. You know, a couple have a one has a two hundred axe. A couple have shields. One has a crossbow. Occasionally, Jeremy will take uh, one with a crossbow and just go pop, pop. Use the might points to make sure he gets to kill on a on a particular defender. The royal guards seem like they'd be good because they come with a shield and they don't. Oh well, they're ignoring. It's more the fact that they fight for. Oh, it's yeah. both shield and fight four. They are they very can, hard uh, to get through. Put them at the top yeah. of the ladder, and they'd be able to hold off a ladder a couple turns, I think. Yeah, and they they do hold off a ladder for. Mm. A, a yeah, they're they're hard work to get through those guys. How would you rate this scenario out of say ten, Travis? Ten? Don't we do? You normally do yay or nays? I think we do how many thumbs up we have. Oh, okay. Thumbs up then. Travis, how many thumbs ups? Our scoring systems are very well thought out across the board. Uh, And consistent too. Absolutely. How many fingers out of 10 do you give it, Travis? I'm giving it two thumbs up, and if I could put my big toes up, I would. Yeah, I love this scenario. Two thumbs up. You're not not a chimpanzee. Too bad. Okay. I'm doing it. This one's going to get the two thumbs up, the gold tick of approval, and the lucky feather. The lucky feather? The lucky feather. What feather it is it from? Like you really I'm not sure. I, I'll figure it out later. At the Quail. moment, it's just lucky. Duck. Emu. I've never put the amount of effort, and, and as a group, we never put so much effort into creating a scenario. We, we painted it brick by brick. Yeah, I think, that's, I think that's it the thing that... a massive effort across the board. There were so many models to paint. They all got painted. The ladders, I had to make custom ladders because the ladders yeah. that come in the siege crew... Were too small. I've got spare bomb teams, spare battering rams. So when the Urukai abandoned, I've got all this stuff. Huge amount of investment takes up a massive space in my house and garage. But this scenario is amazing. It's really it's one of my favorites. I rarely have a spare four hours, but if I've got four hours, 
I'd prefer to play this than watch the movies or that. It's a really good scenario. Yeah. It's great fun. It's not for the faint-hearted. It's a massive amount of effort, and it's it's one that Those you probably want your club. It requires much things. Mm. 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 So I give it. Yeah. I give it. Uh, let's say three out of three. Alvin rings. Excellent. That's a top rating. Absolutely, those rings are good. Thank you for listening, our listeners, and remember, traps win games. Thank you for listening to the Green Dragon Podcast. Please be advised that the Green Dragon Podcast is not suitable for children, the elderly, pregnant women, those with a history of heart conditions, or anyone expecting to receive worthwhile advice. You can contact us on the Green Dragon Podcasts at gmail.com. Yes, it has an S at the end. Or our Facebook page, The Green Dragon Podcast. We do not claim ownership of any works based on J.R.R. Tolkien, New Line Cinema, Warner Brothers, or Games Workshop. This podcast is purely for entertainment. The thoughts, as rare as they are, are solely that of our hosts and guests. Farewell, listener, until we meet again.